0: Welcome to Welcome to the Hallowell Manor. I'm Max.
1: And I'm Tina.
0: And we are here to talk about season one episode 20 of Charmed.
1: The power of two.
0: So did Holly Marie Combs have like a family emergency or something or
1: she had surgery for uterine fibroids.
0: Oh, okay, because it was really awkward her not being in this episode getting her out of this episode was awkward.
1: I mean, you were right, right? You saw the episode and you were like, okay, obviously they didn't have the actress for a week for some reason. Yeah. And, and you were right. The, the reason was uterine fibroid surgery. Oof. Which is painful. It, it is terrible. But also it's the kind of thing that you just deal with for like years and years at a time before you go in and get surgical intervention to deal with. So I'm surprised that she didn't deal with it over the summer, like when they weren't shooting.
0: Mm. Yeah, weird.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: so this episode does not have the emotional resonance it thinks it does.
1: Oh I know. And I, I just I we'll get to it when we get to our segments at the end, but the things that are supposed to move me in this episode just make me really angry. I'm very angry at Andy in this episode.
0: Andy. I mean, I I, I, I see Andy, but I mean, Phoebe's not exactly a peach here either.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I wasn't even... I was thinking about a different moment that was probably supposed to affect me. But Mm. no, you're right. Those moments with Phoebe make me angry too, so... The thing is, I wouldn't say
0: this is necessarily a bad episode. It doesn't, like, drag the premises solid. It just...
1: No, it moves quickly. Even with no B-story, it moves really quickly I don't have a lot of issues with anything in this story. It's just like you said, it thinks it's making a point that it's really, really not.
0: Yeah, and it's not hitting any of the emotional beats it's clearly trying to.
1: Which is fine. Like, if it wasn't trying to hit those emotional beats, fine episode. Well, I mean, let's let's just jump in and talk about it. All right, so this episode was directed by Elodie Keen.
0: Hmm. it's a new one.
1: Yeah, uh, it is. We haven't really seen her do anything else, and i just doing a quick look. It doesn't look like she did any other episodes of Charmed. She did direct a bunch of episodes of L.A. Law, and she did direct some episodes of NYPD Blue and The Practice, an episode of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Mm. I'm bringing all this up because there's a lot of cop stuff in here that we're definitely going to talk about.
0: Oh, you mean because we're going to be talking about internal affairs later?
1: That is what I mean. Yep. Yep. This episode was uh, written by Brad Kern.
0: Wow, really? There's not enough sexy ladies in it for me to-
1: I know, right? It's surprising.
0: Like, I mean, there's a lot of hallmarks of a Brad Kern episode that this episode really doesn't have, so.
1: Well- I think it's interesting. You're right. This does not have a lot of the Brad Kern kind of cheesecake that we will come to expect or even the kind of focus on romance.
0: But, I mean, I guess we get a little Andy, but I mean, not really.
1: Uh... Yeah. Well, I'm willing to chalk up my anger at Andy in this episode to Brad Kern's writing and Brad Kern not understanding how boyfriends should act. Mm. But also, I think it's funny that the thing that we usually identify when we talk about Brad Kern versus Constance M. Burge is that Constance M. Burge is interested in focusing on the sisters' relationship to each other, and this is literally an episode where we remove one of the sisters' hmm. power of two.
0: Although it is theoretically about the sisters' relationship. God, just none of but the- But it emo- doesn't
1: really work, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, none of the emotional beats hit. We yeah. should get into I'm it. I'm just
1: saying it makes sense that Brad Kern wrote it.
0: Hmm. So, the episode opens with Phoebe meditating on the table in the uh, entrance hall to the Hollowell Manor.
1: Yeah, she's sitting cross-legged on the table in the entranceway in the hallway. Yeah. Like...
0: This is, I mean...
1: Like a chaos bisexual.
0: In theory, tables aren't meant for sitting in general, but this is especially not a table one should sit on i would be afraid of falling off if i were her it doesn't look person supporty i
1: mean she weighs like five pounds
0: still i'm just balance wise
1: i mean this is definitely a directorial touch because the idea is she's sitting here in this entryway table meditating trying to focus her premonition powers while her sisters run around next to her and this puts her head at their head level while they're running around next to her
0: Yeah, this is one of the things we'll see a few times throughout Charmed where Phoebe is trying to do something that requires quiet and concentration. You know, in the middle of the busiest part of this giant, giant house instead of, say, in her room.
1: Well, you know, I think maybe Phoebe can't quite focus if there's not a lot of noise around her. You know, she used to live in New York.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So... Piper is looking for her plane ticket because she is about to go on a work trip to Hawaii. Yeah,
1: it's like a trade show.
0: Is that the sort of thing you go to if you're a restaurant? I'm
1: sorry, if you're a what? <laughs> what is her job? Manager? Yeah, she manages the restaurant. I mean, I guess if it was a. I, I, it doesn't matter. She's going to a trade show.
0: Or is she? Because Phoebe has a premonition of Piper missing her plane, okay. possibly because she has her plane ticket.
1: I know, right? If you didn't make her late by holding on to the plane ticket while she's running around looking for it, maybe she would have made her plane. What's weird to me is that in the premonition, she's literally standing on the tarmac watching the plane take off.
0: Well, remember what decade it is.
1: Yeah, but she should still be in the airport watching the plane take off. Why is she on the tarmac?
0: Well, you know, San Francisco only has an airstrip because it's such a, you know, poor, desolate city in the middle of nowhere.
1: Such a small town.
0: Yes. It's like, uh, you know, it's like the airport in Wings.
1: Oh, right. Sure. On Nantucket Island. Yeah. Yeah. Piper is dressed like she's Disney-bounding Cinderella. She's wearing a skirt suit that's the Cinderella colors with the Cinderella ribbon choker. Huh.
0: I don't think I've ever heard the term, uh, that term before. Disney bounding?
1: Oh yeah, Disney bounding?
0: I'm assuming it's when you do, like, casual clothes cosplay when you're going to Disney.
1: Yeah, so it specifically came out because adults are not allowed to wear costumes in Disney, which it...
0: Makes sense. Right,
1: it's right and fair. You don't want kids thinking that random people wandering around are cast members. And yeah, it's totally fair. Except during certain special events. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I need to I need to steer off any, any corrections. During certain special events, like Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween, and you, you can wear costumes. But yeah, adults aren't allowed to wear costumes at Disney. So Disney bounding came about as a thing where you wear outfits that evoke the character or are inspired by the character.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, it's actually really cool. I really love um, Disney bounding as a concept.
0: Yeah so uh prue realizes that you know phoebe has the ticket and that she's on the furniture and phoebe's like shut up prue i just did something special i had a premonition on command by the way piper you're gonna miss your plane yeah and is it a premonition if you cause something to happen and then you tell someone that it's going to happen
1: I mean, you mentioned that we hardly ever see Phoebe making herself have premonitions again. Maybe that's why. Maybe she can only make herself have a premonition if she's the one who's causing the events to take place.
0: I mean, honestly, I really do like this as an expansion of Phoebe's power. I think it would have been a cool direction to take it in. They really don't do this in the future. Like, there's a lot of stuff Phoebe does with her powers in season one that just never come up again.
1: Phoebe's weird. They kept kind of upping the amount of power she had and then feeling like she was overpowered and coming up with reasons to restrict her powers back down.
0: But they do that with her secondary stuff, like when she gets. Like when she randomly gets levitation later or her incredibly ill defined empathy powers. Yeah. Which she knows what other people are feeling, but also sometimes she can use empathy to channel other people's
1: powers, which
0: isn't really what empathy is, but we'll get into that many years from now.
1: Yeah, when we, when we get to those episodes.
0: Although we do meet an empath earlier in the show, and someone else gets his powers.
1: Someone gets the empath powers from him, like a warlock?
0: Uh, Actually, it's Prue. And then they end up just doing uh, mind shot that episode of Buffy.
1: Oh, okay. I don't remember that episode at all.
0: I think it's one of the, like, you know, very few Prue episodes in season three, I want to say. <laughs> this is something we see actually, this is something we'll actually see Charm do a few times. Uh, Phoebe, again, again with Phoebe, uh, she gets a one-off flight power before later developing her levitation.
1: Yeah, again with Phoebe.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, did, uh, I think it happens a lot less with the others.
1: I I think that they were always worried about Phoebe not having an offensive power. I There are so many episodes where I feel like Phoebe feels bad about not having an offensive power and someone comes in to tell her how powerful premonition is and that she should just be happy with that. But I feel like... The showrunners never internalized that. It's okay that she doesn't have an offensive power. Just work with that.
0: Also, like, the whole levitation thing doesn't really feel like it's an offensive power. I mean, it's basically just her doing the same kicks she normally does, except she goes up first.
1: Right, and it feels like... I mean, I know it's magic or whatever, but it seems like that should make the kicks less effective because she's not braced against anything. Yeah. But... I don't know. I feel like if you had someone who really understood how premonition could be a great power, you could have had her be an Oracle-type character, like, from DC Comics, and she could have developed her powers so that her premonitions were even more... ...detailed. And she was kind of sitting in the attic using telepathy to communicate with her sisters and, like, direct them. Like, you could have really... Built on that power, but I don't feel like the folks over at Charmed really knew how to make that a powerful power.
0: I mean, honestly, with how they pivot later, they have a lot of Prue using her powers to do wire work for, you know, she's using her telekinesis to help her fight with punches and kicks, and it's like... (laughs) yeah. How is that better than just telekinetically throwing people around? Like, Like, you could just... To go back to DC, oh, yeah. you could you could have her do what Dream Girl did in Three Boot Legion, the third reboot of Legion of Superheroes. There was a precognitive character named Dream Girl, and they took her powers in a more offensive thing where, you know, in fights, she would just see what people were going to do before they did it.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to get into it, it would have made more sense to give Phoebe... Astral projection and make that her secondary power instead of making that Prue's secondary power.
0: Honestly, yes. Prue should have gotten flight as her secondary power. Phoebe should have got astral projection. Piper is fine with the explosion thing. It's like, you know, the explanation is about her. Like the slowing down time thing is her slowing down molecules until it seems like they're, you know, standing yeah. completely still. And the explosion thing is her speeding them up until they explode. And I'm like, That works for me. I'm like, you know what? You don't need to make it sound scientific.
1: It's true. It is magic. I mean, the reason it works for me is probably less the explanation that they give officially, the one you just said, and more that I think of Diablo 2, where when I'm playing an ice sorceress, I just freeze people and then blow them up by shooting them. Yeah. Yeah. We are getting off track here. Let's talk about this episode. Piper is worried about leaving... Phoebe and Prue alone together, that they will tear each other apart because.
0: They butt heads all the time, and Piper's the peacekeeper, and someone's been reading the show Bible, huh?
1: Yeah, I was thinking that is true, but it hasn't been for several episodes.
0: Like, I think we saw it in the pilot, and it's maybe shown up twice in other episodes. Piper's more, leave me out of it, I don't want to hear you two arguing.
1: Yeah, that's true. So
0: <laughs> cutie pie.
1: So Prue, hey. So Prue and Piper head off, leaving Phoebe with a huge list of chores to do. Okay, I bring this up because this is going to be the thing for the episode.:
0: This is going to be a huge point of contention between Phoebe and Prue.
1: Yeah, Prue has to get to work because her job is hanging by a thread.:
0: Yes claire is going to fire her because she keeps having to take family emergencies to fight demons or whatever which
1: why is claire running the auction house she's a banker what is even happening and they should have left it in prue's hands claire should be back at work
0: also prue keeps on like yes prue unless a lot of stuff has happened off screen Yeah, Prue keeps on leaving to go fight demons, but she's successfully thrown a whole bunch of auctions since Claire jumped in.
1: Also, she's the only employee there, so what are they going to do without her?
0: Firing Prue seems like a real cutting-off-your-nose-despite-your-face situation.
1: Absolutely.
0: But Prue has to go deal with this, and Piper has to go not miss a plane, because we do see her in Hawaii later.
1: Yeah, that's weird. Does she, like run some red lights because she's
0: just constantly freezing on her way
1: oh yeah yeah she could do that i mean she had the forewarning, so
0: yeah but phoebe takes one look at this long list of chores to do and she's like you know what screw it i'm gonna call up one of my one episode friends and go on a tourist tour with her
1: okay so the friend actually calls her marianne calls her mm-hmm. marianne never seen before
0: never seen again i'm willing to bet
1: and I guess they had planned to go to Alcatraz together, but yes, like you said, that's a tourist thing. I doubt people who live in San Francisco go on tours of Alcatraz together all the time
0: yeah I, I although to be fair, like I do love going to the Rose Garden, and that's definitely a touristy thing to do in Portland.
1: okay, that's true, although the only time I've been it's been with
0: yeah, you're right it's it's with people
1: who are visiting Portland. Yeah yeah
0: we should go to the rose garden it is when we can beautiful
1: Uh, the rose garden we can probably go to before anything else because it's outdoors and you can socially distant you don't need to actually see any other humans
0: point yeah
1: so i mean not now but it will probably be one of the first things we can do again i mean i'm sure it's actually open now i just don't feel safe going now
0: yeah it'll be nice to show the baby you know who you can probably hear
1: Yeah, she's she's got a lot of thoughts on this episode. Phoebe decides, screw it, I'm going to Alcatraz and takes the list of things that she has to do that her sisters have given her and crumples it up and throws it away.
0: You know, those are all still things that need to be done, Phoebe, right? Like, just because you're deciding to not do them now doesn't mean that they're, you know, magically taken (laughs) care of.
1: I know, right? So, we go from there to Alcatraz, and before we get into it, can I just say how weird it is that this former prison is a tourist attraction?
0: Yeah, it's pretty creepy. I, I,
1: I don't like it. Don't like it? Let's move on.
0: A lot of fans of The Rock. The movie, not the person.
1: The Rock. That was my Sean Connery voice.
0: Ah. I, I can see that. It's, Sean
1: Connery was in The Rock.
0: Yeah. Who was who the young guy in that? Because it was him and then it was like... Wasn't it? Was it Mel Gibson? No, no, no.
1: no. Isn't
0: it? It's Nick Cage.
1: I was going to say, isn't it Nick Cage?
0: It is, because on our Nick Cage movie marathon, it was The Rock and... Um,
1: Con Air!
0: Con Air, which has aged shockingly well, considering... I mean... there There's a couple of not great things in it, but... They have a trans character who everyone's weirdly cool with. I mean, it's good that they're cool with with her, but, you know, it's about as sensitive as you can expect for something from the 90s. Yeah. And actually, it's quite a bit more sensitive. The characters, the bloodthirsty convicts of Con Air who really enjoy murdering people treat her much better than Ace Ventura treats the one trans character in that movie, which... Dear God,
1: yeah, she's credited as Sally, and no one uh, misgenders or dead names her in the show, in the movie.
0: Yeah, so good job, Conair. I guess. I mean, yeah. the people who are accepting her are all you know murderers and stuff, but everyone's cool with her. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Nick Cage doesn't say anything like nasty to her, which he very easily could have. None of the good convicts are, you know, cruel to her. The
1: one good convict that's not Nick Cage.
0: Yeah, I I don't even think she gets horribly killed like a lot of the other convicts. I mean, I I couldn't swear to it, but I think she makes it through the movie.
1: Well, the plane crashes. I don't think we ever see what becomes of her.
0: Okay, she doesn't have a uh, she doesn't have a incredibly spe- brutal on screen death. Yes. This isn't a. Uh...
1: Unlike uh, John Malkovich, who gets a brutal on-screen death, mm. but she doesn't. But we don't know that she's okay. Unlike, unlike Steve Buscemi, who we see actually escape and be okay.
0: Mm. God, that's unsettling. His whole character's.
1: That's the very last moment of the film. Mm. Is him in the casino in Vegas?
0: Yeah. That movie's better than it has any right to be. <laughs>
1: it so is.
0: And it's aged so much better than, like, every comedy from the 90s. Well,
1: comedies don't age well in general. The cast of that movie, though, is out of control good.
0: Yeah. Which, if all you know <laughs> Con Air from is that one gif of Nicolas Cage. With the bunny? Oh, no, the one with him, you know.
1: Oh, feeling, the, feeling the air of freedom?
0: Yeah, the long, blowing hair breeze. It's a great gift, but the movie's pretty solid too. They're opening God, and he's trying a southern accent. The oh, whole it's time.
1: hilarious. I <laughs> yeah. thought you meant the, uh, the put the bunny down moment.
0: No, no. I haven't seen that gift as much. I- I've seen a lot of him with the long flowing hair.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that one.
0: Anyway, so in Alcatraz, there is a
1: ghost lady. She is a spirit bringer. She, like.
0: She's like a reaper,
1: kinda. Yeah, except she says that she helps spirits, like, move on, but there seems to be some cachet in, like, capturing certain spirits.
0: Yeah, she's, uh, she's in a bind because she was way behind and she was looking for a soul to steal.
1: Exactly! And, uh, the soul that she's looking to steal right now is the Ghost of Alcatraz, who's a man named Jackson Ward, who was executed on Alcatraz 36 years ago.
0: Jackson Ward ward he's did, in a prison yeah, yeah
1: yeah did they execute people at alcatraz
0: i was gonna look that up but i didn't i don't know is california the sort of state that had execution
1: i don't know anyway i i don't know
0: yeah he's like you're not gonna take my soul i'll ghost beat you up i've been doing ghost pilates and i'm really ghost strong now and she's like
1: He says he's been a ghost for 36 years, and now he's learned how to walk through walls. And it's like, dude, that's ghosting 101.
0: John Cho did it by accident in his first, like, few hours of being a ghost. John Cho was doing, Mark from, uh... Dead Man Dating. Yes. Mark from Dead Man Dating was doing all of this ghost stuff, like, in hour one. It's sad that it's taken you this long to be like, oh... I can move through the physical realm any way I please. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. It's really, really basic stuff, dude. But she's like, look, I don't care about your dumb ghost ass. Yeah, your
1: ghost soul is worth, like, very, very little on the ghost market.
0: (laughs) What is worth a lot more is witch souls.
1: Yeah, she wants the cachet of bringing in a witch soul.
0: Because apparently that's, like, worth... 20 regular souls
1: exactly
0: she can get like one of those rings that has a spider on it
1: (laughs) Uh, she tells him her plan is to help him get out help him get revenge and then all of the witches in san francisco will come after him and then she'll get a witch soul which is not the worst plan yeah Then she's like, oh, speaking of witches, and I have a real problem with the fact that she happened to be having this conversation with him seconds before Phoebe showed up.
0: Okay, what I love about this conversation is that she's like... uh as you know it's been 37 years since you were executed and he's like i know we've talked about this before i'm like does she show up like every year or so just as you know it's been 36 years since you've been executed as you know it's been 32 years I,
1: maybe they have that conversation every single morning
0: god Ugh. i mean he's a ghost what else does he have to do
1: I mean, he's a ghost who hasn't even figured out how to walk through walls yet
0: Yeah, and as the tour guide comes in, he talks about how many people died here. I wonder what the conditions are for being a ghost. It seems odd he'd be the only one.
1: It is weird.
0: Because he talks about how, like, ten died from trying to escape and four died from execution. I I think the ghosts who died trying to escape, or though maybe their unfinished business was escaping and their spirits just finished it, you know, after their bodies were dead.
1: And maybe the three people who were executed who did not escape...
0: We're just cool with it. No, no,
1: they, like, bri- they, like, occurrence at, no, no, they, like, occurrence at Owl Creek bridged it, like, their soul thought that they had escaped off of Alcatraz even as their body died. Mm. Spo- spoilers for the story occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, I, feel I like, guess.
0: I, I feel like that's one of those stories that everyone knows just because it gets homaged so much.
1: It does get homage a lot. I, we actually had to read it in my uh i think sophomore english class mm. i assume most people did
0: a horror podcast that i listened to did it but the reader oh cool okay no the performer was so bad i made it like i i didn't finish it i was just like oh my god you should have picked someone else for this oh that's the thing about you you get what you pay for with free podcasts he said on the free <laughs> podcast
1: <laughs> right like let's not slam podcast <laughs>
0: Uh, so, the tour guide is being a real douche.
1: He's like, this is the cell where the ghost of Alcatraz lives. And then he, like, goes into the cell and he's like, let's see if he's home.
0: Let's, let's all be really quiet to see if we can hear him. Why is this guy dressed as a deputy? Is he a deputy?
1: No, he's a park ranger because Alcatraz is an, is, in reality, is a national park. Oh. Huh. Yeah.
0: Interesting. So... Everyone, you know, is quiet and they can hear the wind howling because it's ghosts and not the fact that they're on an island in San Francisco.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, that's probably what he does every single tour. He probably relies on, ooh, it's spooky sounding because we're on an island in San Francisco.
0: But the spirit
1: lady, I guess,
0: gives the guy a heart attack.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then she, like tells the ghost to get inside of the now-dead body, and then when the EMTs take the body away, he'll, like, get off of the island, and... If that works, he pro- If that works, why does he even need a body? What are ghost rules?
0: Yeah, well, why can't... I, uh, I guess maybe he's tied to the spot where he died? Uh, maybe his body's
1: buried on there... Okay, we know his gonna... body's not oh, buried you're right, you're there. We right. know it's interred somewhere else. Maybe he's tied to the spot he died, but if so, why would hopping in a body help? Eh,
0: maybe it doesn't. Maybe ghosts are bound by what they think the rules are. So
1: That actually... I know you, you sound like you're joking, but I think that's actually probably the most likely.
0: Yeah. I do love how, obviously, Phoebe's the only one who sees what's going on, because witch. Psychic witch, even. Yeah. And the...
1: The Soulbringer is, like, mocking her about it.
0: Yeah, she's like, hi. And Phoebe's like, no, don't kill that man. And everyone in the tour group's like, what? Because it just looks like a guy had a heart attack.
1: Right. When we we go from there to credits, and when we come back from credits, instead of getting a million years of establishing shots of San Francisco, we just get a single establishing shot of Alcatraz.
0: What the hell, Charm? I know. So we cut back to them zipping up, you know, the tour guide in a body bag and putting his hat on top of it, which I know is That is, is a what thing.
1: they do, yeah. I it's...
0: know, it's it's just, it's so grim. <laughs> They're wheeling him by the tour group with, you know, the body bag with the little hat perched on top of it.
1: Phoebe's talking to one of the other rangers, like giving her statement as to what happened. Why would a
0: park ranger be taking notes on this? Isn't this like the sort of thing the cops would be handling?
1: My question is why, yes, okay, yes, my question is why would anybody be taking notes on it? There's no reason to think this was anything other than just a tragedy where a guy randomly had a heart attack, mm. and I would think that you would just want to hustle all of the tourists out of there pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know this isn't Disney where, you know, they, you know, have underground tunnels to take people's bodies yeah. so, you know, they can get them off grounds before illegally declaring them dead, but... Still, you'd think you'd want to minimize people associating a tourist attraction with death. Even if it it is is... a prison.
1: I I feel like right now you're highlighting how weird it is that we, in reality, have a prison that we treat as a tourist attraction.
0: I mean, if anything, maybe that adds to the... uh,
1: Mystique?
0: Or what have you. We go from there, uh, we go from Death Island to... Buckland's! Buckland's, where Claire is yelling at Prue for, you know, constantly disappearing to deal with family emergencies, even though she admits that Prue's the only reason Buckland's is a viable business.
1: Yeah, in fact, there are investors who might buy Buckland's coming by, and she needs Prue to, like, be there and be on her least demon-hunty behavior, So that the investors buy Buckland's. I I just... Claire needs Prue a lot more than the way she is treating Prue.
0: Yeah, like, Prue is single-handedly keeping this business afloat. Why are you trying so hard to drive her off? You'd think that you'd be giving her way more leeway. Especially because, as you mentioned while we were watching this, no one else seems to work there.
1: Right?! unfortunately claire's point is proved because while they're having this conversation prue's assistant comes in and is like hey your sister's on the phone she says it's an emergency
0: and (laughs) phoebe has to tell prue about the situation without admitting that she was at alcatraz because she was supposed to be doing chores
1: yeah she says that her friend marianne saw a guy die and definitely thinks that it was the ghost of alcatraz
0: also, there was a spirit there who was telling the ghost what to do. And Prue's like, wait, but mortals can't see ghosts. Remember in Dead Man Dating, the, the episode with Mark, John Cho, and Phoebe's like, but sometimes they can buy.
1: Well, I mean, they can. Otherwise, we wouldn't have ghost stories.
0: Maybe we just get ghost stories from witches.
1: I doubt witches would tell us ghost stories.
0: Or people who are psychic for their own purposes. I I don't actually know if in-universe we ever see... I mean, we don't see enough regular mortal people anyway, but I don't know if we actually see regular mortal people seeing ghosts ever.
1: I mean, you I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty sure we don't. But, you know, they must or else, as I said, we wouldn't know about ghosts. Ghosts. Anyway, we go from there to the precinct where Daryl is talking to Andy about how distracted he's been because, you know, last week Andy found out that Prue is a witch. Which Daryl still doesn't know.
0: God, Daryl will try to avoid this knowledge for so long, and it will do nothing but kick him in the ass for the, what, seven seasons he's in the show?
1: Poor Daryl.
0: Poor Daryl, indeed. Although he doesn't have to deal with Coop, so... Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, a woman comes in and uh, is... Okay, oh. the, this
0: this this woman, she's Andy and Daryl's boss?
1: Yeah, she's, like, the commissioner.
0: Okay, I guess good for her being a black lady in charge of uh, police precinct.
1: I feel like on TV commissioners are always black women dating all the way back to uh, the live action game show version of where in the world is Carmen San Diego.
0: Really? I, I feel like black women are always judges in like legal shows and stuff. And Law and Order definitely had a a black female police commissioner, but I feel like they're usually black dudes, like in every action movie ever.
1: Oh, I guess, I guess, I guess they're black men too, but uh, no, it's here, obviously, where in the world is crime in San Diego, uh, Castle has a black female commissioner.
0: Is she the one who makes them call her sir for no reason?
1: That's the appropriate language to use. When, when you're dealing with military, so I assume it's the same with police. Um,
0: Ooh, don't love that.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say you don't use "ma'am." You you use sir for women. Hmm.
0: I mean, I don't love that we treat our police departments like militaries. So... Well,
1: yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love that we... Well... <laughs> Weirdly this commissioner seems to think that she's in the x-files she's like you guys are the ones who handle the freaky stuff right
0: i mean i guess they they handled the dream sorcerer thing and the wendigo well andy handled the wendigo thing
1: i mean that is they are handling the freaky stuff
0: but i mean it's mostly just i don't want to say run-of-the-mill serial killers but I mean, I don't feel like a lot of their cases are that out of the ordinary, outside of having some of, some occult edges occasionally, but...
1: Oh yeah, remember, they were dealing with the witch murders before the show even started. Yeah,
0: there's the witch murders, but like, when it was Javna, it just seemed like a photographer who was killing women.
1: Yeah, I mean, they also do that. But yeah, I, I, think, I think it's fair to think that these guys handle the kind of creepy stuff.
0: Mm. Daryl does not seem like you think Daryl regrets Andy being his partner? Because this seems very much out of Daryl's ballywick.
1: Oh, yes, 100%. I'm sure he regrets it.
0: And then Andy dies and Daryl has to deal with it because he has this reputation. Although eventually he gets promoted to something. I know there's a point later in the show where they talk about him being more than an inspector. Oh, I... I mean, Daryl gets, like, no screen time, basically, but...
1: We'll get to that when we get to it, I guess. Yeah. So the commissioner has this weird case where the MO was the MO of this guy who died on Alcatraz almost four decades ago. That MO being stabbing in a circle.
0: Okay, so, yeah. And also there's a fingerprint, but it only shows up if you use spectro vision or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's ultraviolet.
0: Yeah. Basically,
1: and- they they... they could find the ectoplasm. And the fingerprint is that of Jackson Ward.
0: <gasps> Who okay. was executed 37, 36 years 36 ago? 36 years ago. Which, fingerprints are like snowflakes in that a lot of them match, actually. It's just a common misconception that they don't.
1: Yeah, fingerprinting is not nearly as uh, fine a science as TV would have you believe.
0: Yeah. So, Prue gets home later that night, and, whoa-oh none of the chores were done
1: yep the kitchen is a mess and there's no food in the fridge
0: so it looks like god this is this is why phoebe should have just said i went to alcatraz because it's not like she did any of the chores anyway right she's gonna get in trouble so
1: i mean she does mention that there's not enough money in the household account for her to go to the grocery store and prue's like well you should have told me that so i could transfer money and it's like calm down
0: yeah this is one of those everyone sucks here situations
1: Yeah. And, I mean, I know, okay, Phoebe didn't do any of the things she said she'd do, but she's researching a murder now, so let her research a murder now.
0: Yes, she believes that she uh, is narrowing down which ghost is murdering people, and Prue's like, but what about the dry cleaning?
1: Okay, Prue is especially upset because she wanted to wear one of the suits that was at the dry cleaners to work when she meets with the investors, and I think it's really funny to assume that Prue has a suit that she thinks is going to impress the investors because right now I'm looking at what she wore to work today, which is an inappropriately tiny skirt for work and a t-shirt and a leather jacket. Uh, Like, if that's the look you want, that's fine, but you look like you're going clubbing, Prue.
0: Yeah, what happened to your, you know, 10,000 cardigans? Right? Which (laughs) I also don't believe that she owns a suit because, you know, 10,000 cardigans. I guess maybe she got one when, you remember that thing where she split into three Prues and one of them went on a shopping spree and got all of those clothes that we were supposed to be like, ooh, she's so impulsive and flirty and fashion forward, but they all just look like clothes Shannon Doherty had in her closet.
1: (laughs) Yes, I do remember that.
0: So Phoebe's like, are we going to start fighting already? Won't that just prove Piper right? And Prue's like, I, I don't
1: even, I don't even-
0: We need to eat dinner. And Phoebe's like, do we?
1: I mean, can't they just order takeout?
0: Yeah, come on. You're rolling in that auction house money.
1: Uh,
0: Anyway, Andy shows up. Also, you live in San Francisco. There are so many good places to eat there.
1: Right? Anyway, Andy shows up at the door. And he wants to talk to Prue about this weird case that came up because, you know... It's actually Prue who's the weird expert on things that are weird.
0: You know, since Andy stopped being interested in that after the pilot. Also, Andy seems way less cool about the whole witch thing than he was, like, last episode.
1: Well, they had to do that because they had to prove the truth spell right. Otherwise, it's not a truth spell.
0: Otherwise, that was just a big pointless waste of time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, he has, he tells them he has a murder and all of the evidence points to the ghost of Alcatraz. And Phoebe's like, ah, by a, by a massive coincidence, I was researching the ghost of Alcatraz.
0: Yes. Phoebe explains that the fingerprint was able to be left in ultraviolet because it was ectoplasm because ghost skin. And Andy's like. Ghostbusters has come out already, Phoebe. You didn't need to explain that to me.
1: That's true. She looks at the picture of Jackson Ward, and she recognizes him as the ghost she saw.
0: Oh, yeah, he murdered the DA's son.
1: Which is why Andy's paying so much attention to this case. I, when we were watching before, I didn't didn't bring it up this time, but when we were watching and the commissioner is, like, bringing them this case, I was like, wow, she's really invested in this case. And, of course, because he was the DA's son.
0: Yeah, we... We mentioned the commissioner calling them in to work on the case, but we didn't mention why. The DA's son got killed.
1: Well, I mean, she didn't She didn't tell him it was the DA's son. We learn that here. Okay. The DA, by the way, who convicted Jackson Ward.
0: <gasps> I mean, it seems kind of... I was going to say it seems like, you know, this guy's tangentially related at best. Come on. But I guess if you're a murderer who likes murdering people, you don't really need a lot of uh, motive. To go around murdering people.
1: Exactly. Uh, It's funny that you brought up Ghostbusters because this just kept making me think of the ghosts in Ghostbusters 2 who show up in the courtroom scene.
0: Yeah, they... I don't
1: think New York had the death penalty then. I
0: I mean, I guess if New York has had the death penalty at some point in the past.
1: Yeah, I remember that judge was super old, so...
0: Yeah. As is the one we're going to see. Getting murdered right here and now. Because I was like, I wonder what California's history is with the death penalty. But, I mean, I guess it's plausible that they had it 36 years ago. So, this judge is super old, probably should not be
1: working still. Oh, that's a thing, though. Like, attorneys work until they, you know, drop in the office. Like, attorneys work well into their 70s and 80s.
0: Mm. Oh, my, my, my aunt was judge for a while but she just does consulting stuff now
1: oh yeah Mm -hmm. this isn't universally true there are some lawyers who actually retire and there are some judges i'm sure who also actually retire but it doesn't surprise me that this judge is still working Hmm. uh by the way i just googled it california does have the death penalty currently now wow huh they were halted yeah oh the last one was carried out in 1972 though Hmm.
0: I I guess that fits the time frame of this. Yeah. It's a lot harder to execute people these days. Did you hear the poisons that they use are, like, not being naturally produced anymore? So they have to just, like, buy death poison from veterinary clinics or throw people off roofs?
1: That is horrifying. Also, if anybody wants to be really horrified about capital punishment, the way it's done in America, the documentary Mr. Death is... It's about the man who designed the gas chambers that we use and the electric chair that we use and really, really should not be doing either of those things. Mm -hmm. It's... uh, Also, he's a Holocaust denier. It's a fascinating and disturbing documentary. And it will definitely make you anti-death penalty if you are not already.
0: I remember when I became anti-death penalty, which, well, not when I became, but one of the first times when I was like, wow, the death penalty is super horrifying which was actually an episode of superman the animated series okay where there's a criminal who figures out you know superman is clark kent right as he's getting the death penalty and i'm like i'm really surprised that they aired this
1: that is disturbing i don't i'm i'm must i missed that episode
0: Hmm. i'm gonna google this to make sure it's some but i'm and I'm not conflating it with, like, an episode of Lois and Clark or something, but...
1: Well, will you Google for that information, I feel like I should share with our listeners that, no, Alcatraz never executed any prisoners. Ah. Uh. Although, there were a few prisoners who were shot trying to escape Alcatraz. Hmm. But that's... that's not... it's not the same thing. Here's the thing. It took me, like, four seconds just now to Google... Did they execute people on Alcatraz? Which means that Brad Kern could have looked it up. I mean, it was 1999, so not as easily, but he pretty easily could have found out if they executed people on Alcatraz. So he just decided he didn't care, I guess.
0: Yeah. Superman the Animated Series. It was an episode called The Late Mr. Kent, where a guy, uh, yeah, a criminal was sentenced to death and dies in a gas chamber, but not before realizing that Clark Kent is Superman.
1: Jeez. That's messed up.
0: Well, I'm scrolling through the DC Animated Universe uh, Wikipedia list of people who die, and I forgot how really, really brutal... Uh,
1: that show is? Those shows are?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean... It, it, it's a... It's, probably one of the most well-constructed superhero shared universe things out there the dc
1: animated universe is genuinely amazing but yeah i mean it was grim dark shows
0: superman had a bunch of production issues which is why there's only like i think 20 episodes of the show Mm -hmm. but honestly it's it's really disappointing they didn't get more It was so well done and Superman kind of gets the short shrift in early Justice League.
1: Cause... Well, I mean, Batman: The Animated Series was so great, yeah. like it's unbelievably good.
0: Yeah, so you know, it it was going up against something really big, but I feel like it gets overlooked a lot. It's it's a it's a really solid show. Oh. Also, Billy West is Jimmy Olsen in that, which is just
1: oh, that mm-hmm. makes so much sense to me.
0: And that design of Jimmy Olsen has Fry's hair horns from Futurama, so it's very bizarre to watch.
1: Oh, weird. Okay.
0: Charmed. So, the ghost is going to kill the judge by stabbing him to death, and he's giving this speech. He's like, oh, you you sentenced me to die, and now I'm sentencing you to be stabbed by me to death.
1: But he can't hear him because he's a ghost. He also can't see him. Like, we, we see him like grab him by the necktie to choke him but from that guy's point of view all that's happening is his necktie is choking him like disembodiedly like he doesn't see the ghost
0: yeah you're missing kind of i feel like the big part of revenge like maybe you could hold a note with your name written on it and float it above his face before you start with the stabbing
1: I mean, I wouldn't want to do a note, but I would want to do something ominous that let them know it was me. It me. (laughs) I would, like, put something on their desk that was notably mine so that they saw it and were like, wait, where did this come from? Oh no, the ghost of this person I wronged is back.
0: Also, he has this speech about how awful the gas chamber is, which I'm like, yeah, I mean, I know this is an evil ghost hellbent on revenge, but... The gas chamber does sound genuinely unpleasant. Yeah,
1: he's not wrong. Ugh.
0: So uh, I, the deaf lady shows up and she's like, okay, look, can you can you hurry this along? I, I want the witch soul. You're just farting around. And he's but, like, I'm taking my time. Didn't you say you wanted the witches to find me? I need to be as brutal and graphic as possible. And here's the,
1: the thing. He's not wrong. Like, it, if you want the witches to come, let him do his thing and the witches will come.
0: I do love... If
1: you stab it, they will come. He's
0: lucky it's early Charmed.
1: Right? Imagine this guy in, like, the last season of Charmed. He's doing all of this and then, like, Billy shows up. (laughs) Billy. The bringer's like, this is not a witch. What is even happening right now?
0: Also, uh, when I was listing the Billys, I think, last episode... I, I said that the Pyrokinetic Kid was a Billy, but I don't. Uh, but we were uh, we correct were corrected mm-hmm. on Facebook. I I think I was transposing him with the Nightmare Kid from Buffy, ah, who I'm almost a hundred percent sure is a Billy. But we talked at length about that show and its thing with Billy. Uh, also, the guy who uh, makes men try to kill women in Angel was a Billy in that show.
1: Oh, okay. I haven't watched what, Angel as many times as I've watched Buffy.
0: What a bizarre superpower that is. He brings out the misogyny latent in all men and then amps it up to a homicidal degree.
1: I mean, let's not delve into that because I feel like it's a little more resonant today than it was 20 years ago. So let's, I'd I'd rather just not talk about that.
0: Yes. But I'm just saying it's a really weird, very specific superpower for someone to have. I like, especially in Angel where it's like, there was Electric L, the lady who shot electricity.
1: Well, it's like the one he cultivated. It's the power he cultivated.
0: Oh, you think he was just like a general psychic and that was the thing he was...
1: Like, I think presumably if he had worked on doing something else, he it, it would have manifested differently.
0: I don't know. Even for telepathy or whatever, that's real specific. Like, again, the telekine- the telekinetic girl was just telekinetic. She couldn't, like, only move objects that had red paint thrown on them.
1: That would be an interesting limitation if you were telekinetic, but you could only move things that had a a limitation that was not related to their weight. Mm. So Andy and
0: Daryl are trying to figure out what's going on because this guy was killed. The guy who sentenced this man to death was killed in the way that the man killed people.
1: Yeah. Daryl suggests that maybe it's a copycat And Andy's like, but his M.O. was never released to the public. And Daryl's like, his M.O. of stabbing people? Yeah, like... In a circular pattern? Like, I mean, the circular pattern's a little special, but...
0: I mean, it's not exactly, like... Honestly, it's not a huge leap to think that someone might have coincidentally done this, especially since it's 30-odd years later.
1: Well, to me, the fact that people who were involved in jackson ward's conviction are being killed in the manner of jackson ward if i don't believe in ghosts i'm thinking oh jackson ward had like a daughter that nobody knew about yeah and she's s- out getting revenge
0: secret accomplice like
1: secret accomplice secret accomplice like there
0: there are a lot of other things but andy doesn't have time to uh talk about this because he is getting called in by i a
1: internal affairs
0: which whoa
1: yeah well
0: so they're like one of one of the cops there's like what's this weird goo on the stabbing weapon and annie's like don't ask but morris i bet you 10 bucks that the prince match awards uh, wards
1: Yeah, he he uses the fluoroscope to see it, because that's how you see ectoplasm, apparently.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Andy tells Morris, Daryl, give Daryl, Daryl, let Daryl have a first name.
1: Yeah, we can call him Daryl.
0: Yeah, it's not like he goes around calling Andy
1: Trudeau. Does he? No, he calls him Andy, right? I think he's called him Trudeau a couple times, but yeah, for the most part, he just calls him Andy.
0: Like... Be on the same level. Also, don't give Daryl orders. He's your partner. Come on.
1: Well, maybe Andy took lead on this case.
0: So uh, Andy tells him to get a list of other people who Ward might want revenge on before going off to, I don't know, not get punished at all for whatever IA is investigating him for.
1: Well, he wants to know who Jackson Ward might want to get revenge on. But I just want to bring up, just throw out there, that before he was convicted and sent to alcatraz he was a serial killer so maybe he's just gonna kill people yeah like i get that the first two people were tied to his conviction so it makes sense to go protect all the other people attached to his conviction but you know also maybe check on all of the I, I don't know whatever his profile was as a serial killer like all of the blonde women or whatever yeah i just assume since this is charmed this profile was to kill all the blonde women
0: yeah, you know what? There's not a lot of, uh, there's not much in the way of blonde ladies in this episode.
1: No, there was one in the background when they were at Alcatraz, and I actually thought it might be Marianne, but it wasn't. It was just some random extra. Hmm. Yeah, because when they're at Alcatraz, Phoebe shouts out, Marianne, call 911, and a different person responds, so. Yeah.
0: So, wow, I'm impressed that they gave her a name, because they have to pay them more, right, when they give them names? I... I
1: think they only have to pay them more if they have a line, which, by the way, Marianne does not. Hmm. And she's not credited on IMDb. Huh. So I don't think, I think she's probably, cre- I think she probably got paid as a featured extra,
0: hmm.
1: which is a thing.
0: Yes. So Claire is talking to the businessmen who want to buy Bucklins, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's Japanese businessmen because this is the nineties and this was a thing.
1: Yep. Mr. Yakohama.
0: Which, what an odd era-specific thing. Like, it shows up in a lot of different stuff, just...
1: Well, I mean, in the 90s, in the 80s and the 90s, it just felt like, from a business perspective, the Japanese had it together in a way that we Americans did not. And so, storylines that involved, you know, powerful
0: foreign interests buying up american stuff
1: yeah it, it just made sense for the writer it made sense to the writers that those would be japanese interests yeah prue runs in and she is late and um wait why is she late that's a really good question
0: <laughs> there's nothing spell related yeah look there's nothing ghost hunting related like she
1: wasn't working on anything right now
0: yeah her conversation with andy was a while ago
1: it's the next day you know what, maybe she just is a bad employee.
0: Yeah. So, Prue's there for about ten seconds before Andy comes in and he's like, I need to talk to Prue. Police business. And Prue's like, uh... By the way, she's wearing a sleeveless turtleneck sweater.
1: Okay, that actually seems pretty work-appropriate to me. Like, it's sleeveless, but... It, I don't know. I, it's, it's business casual. She's wearing that and like, brown trousers i i could see that definitely
0: so she didn't get her suit i would understand if she was late because she was getting her suit from the uh oh i'm assuming this isn't her suit that she needed picked up from the dry cleaners nope
1: nobody went to the dry cleaners you're right that would make if they had had her in a nice pant or skirt suit then you could have said oh she must have had to run to the dry cleaners and then you could tie it to the phoebe plot and then everything would make sense but But no 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 (laughs) Anyway, Andy's like, hey, Prue, I know that you have a job, but we have to go do stuff. Which made me think that this whole issue when we're talking about the girls having money issues and also Phoebe not having a job. Like, can't we do the thing they do on TV where Phoebe, as a psychic, is hired as a consultant with...
0: For the police department? Yeah. Like, in psych or probably other shows...
1: I mean, isn't that the whole plot of Medium?
0: Yeah, yeah, and probably Ghost Whisperer, which I've never seen, but it's Medium, but she's sexy.
1: I haven't seen Medium or Ghost Whisperer, but yeah, I think that's the plot.
0: I saw a few episodes of Medium, and I'm like, we were like, it was one of those things like you see when you're at at your parents' house for like spring break or whatever.
1: Sure, of course. Also, like in Castle, Castle is a consultant with the cops, even though he's not psychic; he's just a
0: author he's just
1: an author and in in bones bones is a consultant with the police department
0: the thing with medium though like was in the few episodes i saw which were i think later in the run like they hire her and then they don't listen to her and it's like why are you paying this woman to come tell you things if you're just going to disregard her because it would make the episode end too soon
1: that's really funny that's that's pretty funny. Oh, in uh, in I Zombie, Liv is hired as a psychic consultant except that she's not psychic. She just eats people's brains to know what they what killed them.
0: Yes, she eats their brains to get their memories.
1: Loosely
0: Ned's deal, the pie maker in Pushing Daisies. I mean, they don't work with the cops. He works with a private investigator. And I guess nobody thinks he's psychic. It's just a pie maker who helps a private detective solve things.
1: I'm just saying this is a common trope. Give Phoebe a job.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're going to be dealing with the police a lot less after Andy dies. Like, we're just mostly going to be dealing with Daryl when he shows up to be like, Hey, someone's murdering whoever around town, probably blonde women. And since you guys are too busy with, I don't know, Leo drama or Cole drama or nothing else because Prue and Paige don't really get storylines.
1: Well, one of the reasons that I thought it was interesting that the director of this episode directed a lot of other procedural type shows is that this episode feels very much like a procedural show in a way that, as you say, this show will drift away from in coming years. Yeah. In coming seasons.
0: So, Prue is bringing Andy up to the attic, and Phoebe's like, Oh no! He can't see the Book of Shadows!
1: Like, he knows we're witches, but he can't- Like, he knows we're witches, but knowing that we work out of a spell book? That's just- that's a bridge too far, my friend!
0: Yeah, You're sort of in an in-for-a-penny-in-for-a-pound situation at this point. I... I mean, you told him that y'all you have your own special- pa- What? What What is the point of not letting him see the Book of Shadows? But, except for possibly, uh, well, for Prue's protection, because the book is, like, trying to tattle on her.
1: Okay, wait, we'll get to that. First, I just wanted to say, it might make sense that you don't want him to actually read it, because it's a very personal in the way that, like, it's essentially a diary of all of the women in their family.
0: hmm which so, is such a cool aspect to this?
1: Yes, absolutely. But to not let him know it exists is a little over the top.
0: Yeah. So it turns out Phoebe did find a spell to vanquish ghosts, but the caster also needs to be dead. Which, if this was,
1: wait, wait because you can only vanquish him if you yourself are on the astral realm. So it's a shame none of them know how to astral project yet.
0: Mm. Or a shame that it isn't, like, a season or so later when Graham's ghost shows up all of the time.
1: Yeah, it's so funny how there would have been so many more solutions for this problem in future seasons.
0: But Andy's looking at the book, and it flips to the truth spell because Graham's is a snitch, apparently. Right? Like, you spent most of Andy's childhood mind-wiping him. Maybe this isn't the place to take a moral high stand.
1: Well, no, okay, this is not a moral high stand. This is Grams not wanting Andy and Prue to be together because she thinks that men are... Bad. Bad news, yeah. Incidentally, we're saying it's Grams because we know that when the book flips on its own, it's Grams who's doing it. hmm But they don't know that yet at this point in the series. At this point, they think it's a thing that the book itself does.
0: Which is fair,
1: because the book is to some degree sentient maybe i don't know i feel like maybe it's one of those things where you put so much of your own power into it that it has like an echo of its own power but we do know it's grams grams is the one who's flipping the pages
0: although sometimes we know it's not grams because like there are times where it wards itself against the sisters because it can't recognize them because they've lost their powers or are influenced by demonic energy or something Like, there's lots of episodes where the book protects itself against forces that Grams should recognize.
1: That's true. That's true. So, you know,
0: maybe the show's not that consistently
1: written. (laughs) What? What? Contradictions in the mythology of the show?
0: Or, you know, maybe it's a little from column A, a little from column B. Like, Grams, when she's doing other ghost stuff, isn't paying attention to the book and it goes on autopilot. Sure.
1: Although... In this case, we actually are having some uh, continuity because Prue tells Andy about how in the episode, the truth is out there and it hurts, she cast the truth spell on him to see if he was going to flip out about her being a witch.
0: Spoiler alert, retroactive spoiler alert, he did.
1: Yeah. And Andy is super mad at her. He's like, how dare you only give me, like, five minutes to deal with the fact that you were a witch? I've known that you're a witch for a week now, and I haven't figured out how to deal with it yet. And it's like, Andy. Yes. That is the point. He gets mad at her for breaking up with him over it, and it's like, Andy, she reacted reasonably to the information that she had. I- I- i i'm so on Prue's side with this
0: see i'm on andy i'm not on andy's side but i understand where andy's coming from here it's just if he didn't reach the conclusion he reached at the end of the episode which is one of the worst speeches in season one of charmed anyway we get some pretty we get some real stinkers later but Like, if he didn't reach the conclusion he reached, I would understand him being mad. Like, if he was like, look, I had some time to think about it, and I'm cool with it.
1: Right. Well, like, even now, if he was saying, look, it took me a couple of days to deal with it, but now I'm fine with it, that would be one thing. But he says, you know, it's been a week, and he's still not okay with it, so...
0: I would get him being mad if it was the fact that, you know, she was playing fun games with his memory... Because that's massively not an okay thing to do with someone you're dating.
1: But that was what she was doing. She was casting a spell. And she was casting a spell that specifically let her tell him a secret and then have him not remember that secret. In general, I'm way against, like, brain wiping people. But, I don't know. Telling someone a secret that could seriously harm you and then having them instantly forget that secret. That doesn't seem quite on the same level.
0: I mean, but that that's not what the spell did. The spell made it so that he would have to honestly answer any question she asked him. That's a pretty big violation.
1: Yeah, okay. No, that's pretty bad.
0: And then not remember that he told her all of these things.
1: Yeah, okay. That is pretty bad. My question, though, is the spell has been cast. That, that black cat is out of the bag.
0: Speaking of Kit Watch 2020, Kit is not in this episode.
1: Nope, she is not. How long is Prue supposed to wait for him to come around to being okay with her being a witch?
0: I mean, honestly, I don't know how these kind of relationships are navigated in general because it doesn't make sense that witchcraft is secret to the degree that it is in this show. And we know, like, witches in long-term relationships usually, although not always, tell their partners about it you know patty told victor mm-hmm. but at the same time the you know kid with the uh the kid with the psychokinesis a few episodes back his uh, his dad didn't find out that his mom was a witch until she was dying
1: yeah she kept it a secret well i mean andy was into the occult as we mentioned already from the first episode andy was into the occult if he isn't instantly okay with it He's not going to be okay with it. Like, move on. And that is exactly what Prue did, and Andy doesn't get to be mad at her about that. You're right, he can not be mad at her casting a spell that forces him to tell the truth. That's not cool. But-
0: Uh, Also, it is- I'm not comfortable with the way that the relationship ended because of something he was completely unaware of, although I guess I get it because she can't really tell him, but, like-
1: I mean, you have to respect how high the stakes are for her. No pun intended, but maybe a little bit of a pun, like, subconsciously intended. We see, we'll see later in this series how disastrous it is for them when the world at large finds out that they're witches. It's, it's a secret that she has to keep for her own safety. Like, I can't be upset with her about that. And let's keep in mind, Andy's argument is not, you used a spell to force me to tell the truth, which is the thing that I feel most justified about him being angry about the thing his issue is you didn't give me long enough to deal with the fact that you're a witch and that's just bs either you were okay with it or you weren't and that's not going to change i could
0: no i i could see it being the sort of thing where like you need to sit with it for a little while because she was like look you have one minute to tell me whether or not you're okay with this giant life-changing thing
1: okay she told him he had one minute to tell her that he was okay with it to me if someone says that the answer is Okay, I'm okay with it. I have a lot of thinking to do. We have a lot of discussions to have. But on the whole, I'm okay with it.
0: I also want to point out last episode he found out about it and was okay with it immediately, but.
1: Yeah, but then we wouldn't have this conflict that we have now.
0: I guess it's good that they remembered the previous episode. Like, continuity! But it makes the last episode not work so well.
1: Uh, yeah, it's bad.
0: So, Andy is getting ready for, you know...
1: Sorry. So, Andy's going down to uh, the evidence locker to steal the letter opener that was the stabbing weapon in the stabbing case. So that he can give it to Phoebe and she can use it to have a psychic vision. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, I is not going to be super hyped about you, like, stealing murder weapons from the evidence locker.
0: And they're not going to catch the guy anyway. I mean...
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely not when you're stealing weapons. I just... Also, he's going to give it to Phoebe. Like, there's going to be so many chain of custody issues.
0: Well, he he's already given uh, Prue, like, at least two different items that were active, you know, evidence in murder trials before, or murder cases before.
1: I, I just... Ugh.
0: So the evidence room cop or someone... In-
1: the evidence inventory guy?
0: Yeah, he calls Ivy.
1: Immediately. Like, as soon as Andy leaves, he's like, okay, I'm going to call and tattle on Andy.
0: Fair. You know what? Fair.
1: Yeah, he should. I know I said tattle, but honestly, like, there is a cop who's out there doing really shady stuff. It should be dealt with.
0: So he goes over to Daryl and he's like, so do you have the list? And Daryl's like, "I'm working on it. He's a serial killer. He had a lot of enemies."
1: Yeah. Also, you wanted me to also include any descendants of his enemies. So we're dealing with a shitload of people.
0: And Andy, you know, walks starts walking off with the list and Daryl's like, "You know, we're partners. You should tell me what's up." And Andy's like, "No." And then he just leaves. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like by the way, way to piss off your partner right before Internal Affairs comes to talk to him. Ugh. Yeah, as soon as as soon as Andy is out the door, two other cops are like, Hey, Detective Morris, let's talk about your shady partner being super shady.
0: So he hands Phoebe the letter opener, I guess.
1: Yeah, they were waiting outside the station in their car. So he just like hops in their car and gives her the letter opener.
0: You think this is the same parking garage that that Wendigo murdered that guy?
1: I do. Yep. I really, really do.
0: So they should be perfectly safe from the police here.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So Phoebe focuses and uses her power at will, which enjoy that while it lasts, Phoebe.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She sees a woman, an older woman being murdered. And I, like, I just, she took it out of the bag. She took it out of the evidence bag.
0: It has ectoplasm fingerprint. There's not going to be. Uh, obviously, I, Andy would be in trouble if this was a real thing. I'm like,
1: I know. She's, like, contaminating so... I just... Uh, I know that it's unlikely that they were going to get any more physical evidence off of it. And But still, I'm still annoyed. Anyway, she goes through the dossier that Andy snatched... Rudely <laughs> snatched out of Daryl's hands. And is like, here, this is the woman.
0: Also, she mentioned that her powers are expanding because she could feel the woman's fear and pain as she was being stabbed to death, which is a thing that comes and goes throughout the rest of Charmed.
1: A precursor to her empathy power, perhaps? Ooh,
0: maybe. But there's a whole episode where she has a past munition in which a guy gets shot in the past, and then she starts dying of a bullet wound because I guess the elders wanted her powers to be as counterproductive as possible.
1: Right? Uh. But yes, Phoebe has identified the woman. It was the four person of the jury that convicted this guy. And we cut to her apartment where she sees a knife floating above her. I mean, we see that it's Jackson Ward, but you know, she she just sees a knife floating above her.
0: And uh, Andy bursts into the room and starts pointing his gun at the knife and he's like, "Freeze, ghost police."
1: what what do you think you're gonna shoot with your gun andy i'm so exhausted by you in this episode
0: like the gun was useless against the demons last episode and they had like physical bodies you could shoot bullets into
1: right anyway the ghost just like looks at the sisters mockingly and then walks away through the wall you know you could probably
0: finish stabbing that lady what are they gonna do about it
1: well i mean andy has grabbed a hold of the knife
0: yeah Yeah, Phoebe- He
1: would have to go to the kitchen and get another (laughs) knife, and that's just so much work.
0: I I do love, Phoebe kicks the knife out of his hands, and then Prue moves the knife towards them, and then Andy steps on it. Yeah. So just keep doing that, and Andy will be standing on like 12 knives, and then you you can kill the old lady then. Eventually (laughs) either.
1: Or, or, follow me with this, they don't need to vanquish this ghost, they could just- Keep following him around and messing him up, right? So he's, like, trying to seek revenge, and they're just like, nope, sorry, gonna knock that knife away. Just knock that knife out of your hand. That would be so annoying for him. That would be, that would be a good punishment.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, also, he says something to Phoebe about recognizing her because he saw her at Alcatraz, which means Phoebe is busted for going to Alcatraz instead of running errands.
0: It opens the door to the worst argument. So, Prue, back back at the manor, they've just, I guess, left the old lady on the floor. Uh, I mean, Andy's Andy's the cop; It's, it's literally
1: his job to deal with it.
0: So, Prue is angry at Phoebe. For lying about going to Alcatraz and she's mad because she didn't do the stuff, but she's also mad because she didn't tell her the truth.
1: Well, I'm okay, no, that's what she's doing, right? She's acting like the reason she's mad is because Phoebe lied and not because Phoebe, like, didn't do her chores. But Phoebe's like, I lied because I knew you'd be mad that I went to Alcatraz instead of doing the chores. And Phoebe's all like, you think that I should do all of these things because I have the time because I'm not working. And Prue's like,
0: yes. yes.
1: I do. I, that is what I think.
0: And Phoebe's acting like she's Cinderella because she has to wait for the cable guy and pick up dry cleaning and sometimes buy groceries, which are all things people with jobs do all the time. Anyway, Phoebe, you have no grounds to be upset here. She's like, I, also, this is devaluing a lot of labor. These are necessary things for keeping a household running. But like... She's like, you don't think that I can get a real job or have a real job or you don't respect me because I don't have a real job and that's why you're making me do this stuff? Okay. It's, it's, it's not that she doesn't respect you. It's that these are all things that need doing and you're the one who's around the house.
1: Yeah. Okay. So much. So much to unpack here. First of all, Prue and Piper are supporting the house with their income. If this was, like, an established thing where they said, we're supporting our house with the income, so you should pitch in doing these things, and, in fact, it would be great because two incomes and a person staying home taking care of the house, that sounds ideal to me. Like, like I'm saying that, like, me, Tina, that sounds ideal to me. Yeah. Right? And then everything would be okay. I think it should be. It's weird how she's, like, jumping back and forth between these arguments where it's, like,
0: I... You don't value me because I don't work and also you're forcing me to do the, all of the stuff around the house because you don't value me and
1: But more importantly and, and I, I really I really feel like this is the point I wanna zero in on here. We have never once seen Phoebe clean anything. And we have definitely seen Piper cleaning the kitchen. Yeah. So <laughs>
0: Piper's the one who's always cleaning and cooking stuff. What are you talking about, Phoebe? They what? wanted
1: you to run to the dry cleaners.
0: Like This is normal.
1: Being an adult. This is just adulting. They just want you to adult a little bit, Phoebe.
0: Did you never have roommates when you lived in New York?
1: This is all pretty
0: basic stuff when you're living with other adult people. So we get a quick phone call from Piper who's like, I'm working really hard in Hawaii, but she's wearing a lei and sitting in a wicker chair. So we can assume that she's not.
1: Oh, no, I think she's working. I think that that's just... Oh, no, you're right. Okay. Yeah, we are supposed to assume that she's just chilling at the resort.
0: Yeah, because, like, a waiter drops off a pina colada or whatever. Like, a
1: giant drink and a coconut.
0: Although, this is very clearly just, it's, like, the sunroom, but they put her in a corner and, like, put a pot, put, like, a potted palm tree next to her and had a guy in a Hawaiian shirt hand her a drink. yes,
1: that's absolutely what they did. Yeah, okay, I, I guess... The idea is, oh, Piper says she's working so hard, but she's actually not working hard. She's just chilling out in Hawaii. But that's also way out of character for Piper.
0: Right now.
1: Yeah, currently.
0: Later in the show.
1: Uh,
0: I mean, it's hard for Piper because she doesn't know what her job is from episode to episode.
1: (laughs) It's very stressful.
0: (laughs) So Phoebe's like, look, we have to put aside our differences from this fight we're having and work together to stop this ghost and it's like yeah oh my god the mildest argument in the world is going to have to be put aside also phoebe if you're upset that they well you're you're constantly getting jobs what like
1: well i mean to be fair when she got a job doing fortune telling at that hotel they would they didn't like that either she
0: got that job at the real estate office
1: well that was different because the the woman who runs that was different because the realtor she was working for was jean and her husband so she couldn't ethically keep that job
0: yeah and she was working with prue briefly but well I that's
1: just a bad idea
0: yeah it's a bad idea in general but they quit because she helped prue find a missing child and they decided that that would interfere with work too much
1: okay listen though they are witches We've already seen that Prue's life is constantly being disrupted so that she can fight demons. The fact that there's somebody who's not making money and is instead staying home and dealing with all the stuff that pops up, that seems like something you need. So, let's do that!
0: Like, it's not disrespectful... To rely on you for this sort of thing it shows that you're a very necessary part of the household
1: i mean they might be doing it in a disrespectful manner but we haven't really seen that yeah like like i think we're meant to have seen at the beginning that they were being disrespectful to her but phoebe brings up something prue said
0: she's like oh, i heard your little remark to piper oh phoebe can do it she's got time which y- you do
1: I mean, maybe they were, like, a little brusque with her, you know, when they were running out the door to not miss her plane.
0: Yeah, and she was meditating on a table.
1: And and keeping her plane ticket from her so that she would miss her plane. Like, it, it's just, this hasn't really been established outside of one scene in the opening of this episode that, for me, did not really establish it.
0: Yeah, so... This is all unearned. They decided to put aside this so that they can this work on... This
1: huge argument.
0: Yeah, so they can work on fighting the ghost, which needs a, a a ghost witch to ghost vanquish it.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: Ghost witch it.
1: Back at the precinct, Andy is talking to the woman who was, you know, almost stabbed. And...
0: She's not being super useful because, you know, she just saw a floating knife.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Andy tells her not to tell anybody about the floating knife because she'll sound crazy. Yeah. But he saw it. He believes her. But don't tell anyone else. Which is like, I don't know, Andy. Like, you already, you already have the.
0: Also, maybe don't go home, lady. Since this, you know.
1: Oh, she. He's sending. He's sending cops to look after her. To go with her. Presumably, they'll like drive around outside her house. I, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not useful against a ghost, but. Set this lady up at a hotel. What good is a hotel? A hotel's not going to stop a ghost.
0: Well, he won't know where she is unless he's following them around, which I guess he could be. But I feel like she's less likely to be murdered in a hotel. The ghost would have to find a knife somewhere else and then bring it up to the hotel room and like slide it under the door.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he found her at her house. I assume he could find her at a hotel, especially because he's got that spirit bringer lady helping him.
0: I don't know. It just, it seems like you could be making this a little harder for the ghost, Andy.
1: I guess. But Daryl shows up and is like, hey, Internal Affairs wants to, uh...
0: Question you.
1: About all of the super suspicious things you do all of the time.
0: Yeah, Daryl tells him to watch his back, bro, which, Daryl, you can't pull off, bro. I'm (laughs) sorry, but that's, that's, yeah. God, poor Daryl. He's a major character in so many seasons, and he has so much nothing to do.
1: Yeah, it's so true. At the manor, the girls are trying to figure out how they're going to locate the spirit so that they could even kill themselves and then,
0: you know, vanquish him as ghosts.
1: But they do discover that there's a spell in the Book of Shadows for luring out an evil spirit.
0: Yes, they need to go to his family's mausoleum in palo alto and spread this mixture over his tomb marker
1: yeah yeah
0: which okay fair i can see that names being an important thing and all and part of it involves acid so it's a lot i guess maybe like desecrating the grave to wake the spirit
1: oh that's exactly what i i hadn't thought about it but you're right that's exactly what it is and that's okay that's all right well thought out charmed well thought out
0: so they're wandering around the mausoleum, which Phoebe describes as creepy, although it's, uh, I don't know. It seems more like kind of a bankish area.
1: Well, it's a it's a mausoleum. It, I think that's always what mausoleums look like to me.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I don't think of that as being particularly creepy.
1: Well, it's inside of a graveyard. You walk through gra- a graveyard yeah, to get to it. Yeah, the graveyard's
0: creepy, not this one. Anyway, I mean, Pho- it's
1: night. It's all marble.
0: Yeah, Phoebe's like, this place is creepy. Where's Buffy when you need her, which...
1: We'll talk about when we get to premonitions.
0: Yes, we will. But don't reference the thing you're ripping off in the thing that you're ripping off. Like...
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Especially because uh, Phoebe's about to do a very Buffy-type thing. She has a Polaroid of her and Prue, and she wrote on the little section of a Polaroid where you can write she wrote hey jackson let's party and then their address so that he'll come to their address and they can vanquish him and it's just it's like this ridiculous drunken selfie yeah a polaroid
0: and prue's like really really and phoebe's like it's the 90s you have a limited number of
1: photos you can use well, I think, I think Prue is reacting to the, hey, Jackson, let's party. And Phoebe says, I couldn't think of anything else to write, which makes sense because it's not like she's a writer or anything.
0: God, come at me, bro. Oh. <laughs> uh, so they put the, they stick the uh, photo under his.
1: To, to the side, to the side of his little drawer.
0: And then they throw the acid onto uh, his marker and it.
1: It starts smoking, yep, and it like, you can, it like turns all black, like acid stained.
0: So, Jackson is sneaking up on a construction worker, a transpo guy, to kill him.
1: Yeah, I don't know what this guy's deal was.
0: I don't know why he's sneaking, he's a ghost.
1: Oh, oh!
0: (laughs) (laughs) He can't hear you, you're a ghost!
1: Okay, my thought was, what does this victim have to do with his conviction? Also that. But, yeah, you're right. That's pretty funny.
0: I mean, the old lady was, like, the head juror, so maybe this is another guy who was on the jury or something.
1: Sure, also, why not?
0: this guy is kind of old to be doing night construction, but whatever.
1: It doesn't matter, though, because Jackson is unable to attack this guy because his chest starts, like, Foaming and bubbling, as and though
0: melting,
1: as though the acid was thrown on him and not his gravestone.
0: This is remarkably gruesome for Charmed. Like he pulls open his shirt, and you can just see the flesh melting off. Like yeah, you can see, muscle. like the
1: blood and the fat and the skin. Oh, it's.
0: I'm like, I mean, it's really good effects work, but geez, Charmed, this is not what I expect from you. I mean, I'm I'm not complaining. It's really well done but it's also so gruesome it's
1: kind of it's a little out of place on charmed to be honest yeah then the spirit bringer shows up and is like the witches are interfering with you you should go to your grave and see what's going on and it's like i thought this spell was supposed to draw spirits yeah if he needed the spirit bringer to tell him to go to his grave does does every evil spirit have a spirit bringer to give them information they need
0: i like the idea that if she wasn't helping this guy out he'd just be like What's going on? Ow! Ow, I need some ghost bass Well,
1: I mean, it already took him 36 years to figure out how to walk through walls. This guy is really just the... He gives monologues to people he's about to kill who can't see him. This guy is comedically the worst ghost ever. Worst ghost ever. I kind of want a sitcom about, like, a really, really bad ghost. Like, there's no spirit bringer involved helping him out. It's just, like, a serial killer ghost seeking revenge but he's just terrible at it
0: one episode is just about him being locked out of his apartment and he's like what he's like no i can't call the super because i'm a ghost
1: i mean the only reason he's even able to like lift the knife and stuff to stab people is because the spirit bringer is helping him out i assume
0: no he he talked about how he he was
1: you practicing know, focusing
0: yeah so he could interact with the physical realm or ignore it if need be which
1: is walking through walls yeah
0: So, the ghost helper lady's like, look, just go, go to the witches, kill the witches, let me have their souls,
1: for crying out loud. Here's the thing though, she doesn't even tell him to go kill the witches, she tells him to go to his grave. And if he needed her to tell him to go to his grave and get the Polaroid that has their address on it, couldn't she have just short-circuited the whole deal and told him to go to their house?
0: Okay, so... Are you familiar with Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose? Notable, terrible comic?
1: I know, like, one thing about it and that it exists.
0: Okay, so... It's famous for basically being softcore porn.
1: Yeah, yeah, that relates to the one thing I know about it.
0: I've never really read it because, again, it's basically softcore porn. But it has a really large fan base for that... Re- I, I, Anyway, so... It's infamous in a lot of circles for, A, being bo- mostly just naked women yelling at each other. Okay. And also for being incredibly, incredibly violent. Mm-hmm. One of the most famous stories is about Taro, the mm-hmm. witch's boyfriend, who has the magic ability to see ghosts. And he's trying to stop a group of uh, nurse ghosts, sexy nurse ghosts, because, you yeah. know Sure, sure from killing women who got organs transplanted from them after they died in a sexy nurse car accident okay and
1: if they were already organ donors though wouldn't they like be okay with that i
0: don't know but so he's following them to house to house to try to stop them from killing the victims and then they realize that they could just stop telling him where they're going next, and he won't be able to find them. And that's where, and that's where the story ends because they're like, you know what? We're just not going to tell you who the next woman we're going to kill is. And then he doesn't know where to go. <laughs> and then the story's over.
1: That sounds hilariously bad. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's that's where the, uh, you've probably seen this one panel. This is the one panel everyone's seen from it uh where he yells at a naked lady miss brown you have to get out of here your vagina is haunted that's
1: the one thing i know yes so wow okay back to charmed
0: (laughs) back to charmed where nobody's vagina is haunted in this incarnation of charmed
1: so andy is in his office and remember he had that giant uh dossier on Prue and all the suspicious things she was doing and how she was obviously a witch even though he couldn't figure out that she was a witch. Yes. So he puts that dossier in his bag to take home with him because um, now that he knows that Prue is a witch he's like, I guess maybe I shouldn't reveal her secret to everyone in the police department. Eh. And as he's leaving the office he's calling Prue to be like, hey Prue I was gathering a dossier on you but I'm going to bring it to you because I am a good person unlike you who erased my memory. Mm. But before he can leave the precinct, he is confronted by internal affairs.
0: Yes, internal affairs wants to have words.
1: And they should want to have words and have those words.
0: I mean, everything else aside, he's not a very good cop.
1: Here's the thing. Okay, so they...
0: Also, shouldn't the FBI be mad at him since he got their, like, agent killed?
1: I don't know. She was doing dangerous stuff.
0: I mean, she was hunting wendigos. Yeah. Slash was actually a wendigo who was using hunting wendigos as a cover for, you know, killing people. But still, like, he was there when a federal agent was killed. I feel like that should have been a bigger deal.
1: Yeah. Well, the big deal that they want to bring up is that he was a really good cop until, like, a year ago. And now all of a sudden he has all of these massive unsolved cases that happened under suspicious circumstances. And here's the thing. Prue is... The good guy. More in season one, so Prue's still a good person. Mm. And Prue is a good guy, right? She's a hero. We, the audience, approve of what she is doing.
0: Approve of her. Yeah. Yeah, that facial expression is right.
1: We, the audience, are on Prue's side. But the fact is, Andy is a cop and he is covering up for her. This is definitely something that should be investigated.
0: I mean, keep in mind warlocks are people so she's definitely murdered some people like i mean they were bad people who were also murderers but i mean she, just because she's dexter doesn't mean that it's not you know illegal to kill people
1: yeah i just i don't I, I i don't know why
0: also this is such a thing in cop shows where internal affairs is shown as an inherently bad thing because They want to hold cops accountable for things that they do wrong. It's such a creepy thing that IA is, like, unilaterally the bad guys in every cop show.
1: There's a whole thing in Elementary where the main lieutenant is dating a woman who works for internal affairs. And it's, like, a whole, like, Capulet and Montague issue that he's dating an internal affairs cop. And it's, like... First of all, do we even really believe that internal affairs does anything in the real world seriously and secondly they should be like it's an institution that does not exist as portrayed on tv but should and like
0: i well it's the danger of cop shows too like in law and order svu detective stabler who you cheer for because he's doing it to you know pedophiles but he legitimately tortures people who are under you know who are being held by the cops, which is not something you should do if you're a police officer. Like, and, like, IAB's, like, the bad guys, because they're like, hey, you shouldn't be threatening to toss people off buildings, you're a police officer. And they're the bad guys for that, which he really shouldn't be, and, you know, it's law and order, which, like, in real life, they often get the wrong person, so... And even criminals have rights, and this is just this really awful thing that cop shows do. Even even stuff like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is benign as far as cop propaganda goes.
1: Propaganda?
0: Copaga- I was trying to avoid saying it, but yes. As far as copaganda shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is as benign as you can get. Because they acknowledge, you know the harm that policing as an institution can do. But even then...
1: I mean, they still have an episode, and and it's actually one of the best episodes, but they from a storytelling perspective, mm. but they still have the episode where they bring in a guy that they don't have enough evidence to hold, and then... They have twenty four hours to get evidence on him. That's not how that's supposed to go. Yeah, you're not supposed to arrest people and hold them until you have evidence.
0: You're not supposed to hold a guy and not let him leave a room until he confesses from a, uh, until he confesses to a crime. And again, it is a really good episode, but that's not how the justice system should work. Yeah. Anyway, so. IA is pointing out all of the legitimately bad things Andy has done over the course of this show. I mean, it's
1: a nice continuity thing in that they're referencing actual episodes.
0: Yeah. And Andy's just sitting there with this shit-eating grin, and he's like, Well, none of that's going to stick to me. Womp womp.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, does he know that it's not going to stick to him? Because I interpreted his look as being more like, Huh, I finally know what's going on, and I can't tell anyone because it is literally unbelievable
0: i will point out that ia immediately jumps to hey so are you covering for your
1: partner your you know, black partner
0: i was about to say yes are you covering for him because he is the only black character in the show so are should we be looking at him and he's like really really not my ex-girlfriend who's directly involved in all of these things <laughs>
1: right i mean <laughs> I, I know we ragged on Andy so much for not putting together what was going on with Prue, but I should take one look at this and be like, oh, clearly there's something going on with Prudence Hallowell. What
0: is the one common factor in all of these cases? But they're like, no, it's it's the black guy, right? The black guy. And Andy's like, no, can I leave? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> this will probably be a running story thing. We'll be back probably.
1: Ugh. All right, back at the manor. Okay. Can we talk about what Prue's wearing? We, hard, we hardly ever talk about what people are wearing, but I felt like multiple times this episode I've had to bring up what people are wearing.
0: Okay, it's a real goblin queen ass sweater.
1: Okay, she's wearing like just a normal cardigan. Just like a normal cardigan that you would see at Ann Taylor Loft or <laughs> or even like The Limited. It's It's a totally respectable cardigan, except it's too small for her but it looks like it's designed to be too small so that there's a giant gap between every button where you can see like a teeny tiny boob window and then a torso window and then a stomach window yeah is she she wearing a bra under that it's kind of hard to tell if she's i don't no she's not wearing anything under that she's not wearing a bra she's not wearing a camisole it's just a
0: brad kern you say
1: right i mean he wrote he didn't direct but i i assume he didn't like
0: i don't know maybe maybe you get the script for it and he's like by the way nobody's wearing a bra or any undershirts in this episode oh it's real frank miller writing about uh i was gonna say catwoman any female character right that scene where he made sure to uh Tell Jim Lee to put Vicky Vale's rear end in the center of every shot with her.
1: That is a wild sequence. So, Prue is...
0: Making a temporary death potion.
1: Yep, so she's going to take the potion and she's going to die and she's going to vanquish Jackson. And then Phoebe's going to bring her back with CPR. And Phoebe's like, um, no, I'm going to die and then you're going to bring me back with CPR.
0: They decide to flip a coin, and Phoebe's like, don't use your powers, Prue. And I think we're supposed to think that she did use her powers. I
1: definitely thought she used her powers.
0: Because it focuses on the spinning coin, and it looks kind of like it slows down for a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think she definitely used her powers to make it come up in her favor, question mark. Yeah. So now Prue is going to be the one that dies, and Phoebe's going to be the one who's got to bring her back.
0: And Phoebe points out, she's like, I think we're going too far here. Which i think is a really emotionally resonant line and then she's like i wish piper were here which why
1: because she thinks piper would talk them out of it
0: are you unfamiliar with piper i
1: think piper would talk them out of it i don't think piper would be willing to risk one of them dying just to vanquish a ghost
0: yeah well i mean it's true Paige isn't around yet (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah so then they have like a sister moment and prue's like you know what I was mad at you because I thought you were slacking yesterday, but you weren't slacking. You were working hard to catch a ghost. And it's like, no, she wasn't. She was doing a tourist thing at Alcatraz. She just happened to run into a ghost while she was there.
0: Yeah. And I, and Phoebe's like, I think I overreacted too. Yes. Yes, you did. This whole so, thing.
1: This whole thing.
0: So they hug and, you know, then the telephone rings and, ooh, answering machine.
1: Is that going to be our thing?
0: I, I feel like I've got a few things.
1: Well, they the answering machine picks up, which means that they can hear what's coming over the answering machine. For, for our younger listeners, before voicemail, you had a, an actual little box, and you could hear the message as it came in. And the message is, the message is, Prue, it's clear. You're late. You're fired.
0: Concise. Yeah. And Prue's like, you know what? I'll worry about this after I come back from the dead.
1: Right and yeah she might she might not come back after this and if that happens then tch, no no sense no sense buying trouble now when you might not even be alive tomorrow
0: so luckily this is interrupted by Ghosty ghost pants swinging a whole bunch of stuff at them until he knocks out phoebe just as prue drinks the death potion
1: yes yes it's a real romeo and juliet thing where prue drinks the death potion just as phoebe is knocked out which means phoebe will not be there to give her cpr and bring her back but
0: he's gonna stab her with a cake knife
1: like a a, a cake like serving spatula thing
0: is that really the most effective stabbing thing in that kitchen
1: well, I mean, it's not like one of the sisters is a chef who would have so many nice knives in that kitchen. Knives.
0: <laughs> so, I'm sorry, that just makes, brings me back to the Orange is the New Black thing where she tries to play kni- uh, knives in a Scrabble. Oh, yeah. In a... What did Rico do to him? He knifed him. <laughs> or what does Rico do to whoever? He knifes him. Anyway, so prue's ghost pops out of her body and starts reciting the vanquishment spell but she's taking all of these big long pauses so when andy runs in and starts doing cpr she cannot be done yet yeah which seriously i feel like vanquishing uh, vanquishing spells seem like the sort of thing you kind of book it through
1: yeah it's funny too we see her spirit start to go back into her body because andy's successfully doing cpr so the ghost like comes back into his body. He was, like, half vanquished before, but now he's he's alive again. He almost stabs Andy with the cake server.
0: And then Prue's like, Andy, look out, and Andy hears her.
1: Yeah, he looks out behind him and manages to not get stabbed with the knife.
0: And then Prue finishes the sentence, which, if you had taken... If you just finished the sentence earlier... But, yeah, she, she says one extra line, and he's like... <laughs> yeah,
1: and as he gets vanquished, she, like, turns into flame, and the Soulbringer, like, grabs the flame, and is like...
0: "Um, Yeah.
1: She's like, you know what? I wanted a witch, but clearly I am outclassed. I'm gonna take this guy, and, uh, you're gonna die eventually, so...
0: This is it for now. And then she bamps away, but I don't think we ever see her again. No. Which is too bad, because she's not a terrible character. Well,
1: Prue dies off-screen, so maybe that person came back when Prue died. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean honestly you just hang around them and wait for them to die they die a lot is this the first death
1: this is the first death if you don't count prue's clones
0: okay yeah because i I was like i feel like we had something else that counted as the first deaths in charmed which arguably the clones but i'd say this is the first official death of charmed yeah and it's prue which is fitting i guess
1: interesting Mm. Mm. but andy brings her back just like, uh, just like Xander in the first season finale of Buffy.
0: But this means a new charmed one has been called. Oh yeah. Not yet. No. Got to wait for Shax for that. Shax.
1: But we cut from that back to Buckland's, where Prue has come to beg for her job back. Which, God, I hate that she has to beg. Like. Yeah, and
0: she's like, Claire, I love this job. I need this job, and not Claire. I'm literally the only employee you have. My reputation is the only thing that makes this place worth buying. What are you doing,
1: Also, you're a banker! Why are you... You you can't run this place! What
0: are you still doing here? But Andy bursts in and comes up with this weird BS story about her helping the cops with breaking up an antiquity smuggling ring and if Claire fires her, she'll be arrested or something.
1: No, no, no. He, he doesn't say that. He's just like, hey, if you need the police to pay for the fact that, to, to pay for any t- stuff you lost while Prue was working for us, then you should go ahead and file a claim. And it's like, um, what if well, she does, Andy? What are you going to do if she does? Well, uh, I don't get- How is that going to look to internal affairs?
0: My thing is, how does that change it? The reason she's mad at Prue is because she wasn't around to impress the investors. How does, oh, I was doing something for the cops, how is that any different from, oh, I was doing something for my sisters?
1: Well, I mean, Claire obviously puts more stock in her civic duty to the cops than her familial duty to her family. And that's, I mean, you might not agree with it, but I feel like a lot of people are that way.
0: I guess, but I mean, it doesn't change the fact that Prue wasn't there when you needed her to be.
1: Well, she tells Prue to remember to meet her for the investor lunch the next day, so I guess that's still going on.
0: I mean, her firing Prue didn't make any sense, and her rehiring her doesn't make a ton of sense, but fine, whatever.
1: Also, should the investors care if she's super busy? Like, they're going off her record.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it make sense if you were like, oh, this is Prue. She's the, you know, big wheel around here.
1: And also our only employee, so obviously she's super busy.
0: Yeah, like, should it be up to Prue to meet
1: with this sort of... She, no, I mean, the, the, it makes sense that she would meet with them. But also, it's like, it, it should be fine. It, this is, it's a manufactured conflict, so it's, that's the problem.
0: So, Prue and Andy run giggling into Prue's office And then Andy's like, that was fun. By the way, I could never love a witch.
1: Yeah, that is what he tells her. He's like, you know what? I'm sorry I was mad about the truth spell. Because the more I think about it, the more I realize I would never be okay with it. No matter how much time you gave me to be okay with it. Which
0: is weird, because it seemed like you'd be cool. (sighs) Whatever.
1: He's like, I just want a normal life.
0: He's like, I want a white picket fence. I want to, you know.
1: And witches famously are not allowed to live in houses that have picket fences.
0: I'm sorry. Like, what? What? but the whole thing is like he's like i want a normal life and i could never have that with a witch and she's like yeah i I wish i could have a normal life too which if you want it so bad prue bind your damn powers it's an option that's open to you no
1: she can't bind her powers because she can't she can't take away the power of three from her sisters point she has like a bigger responsibility
0: yeah but the real thing is Shut the hell up, Andy.
1: Like, if she had any sort of dangerous job, it would be the same.
0: Like, for example, if she was a cop.
1: Right? Such a hypocrite. Right? Yeah. Sam agrees with us. (laughs) She's so confused. Hi,
0: baby. So... Yeah, Prue takes the whole thing relatively well. She's like, I mean, to
1: be fair, she's already gotten over Andy. Like, she broke up with him ages ago.
0: Yeah, so she's like, you know what, fine. We cut to the next day where Piper's coming back early because she had a feeling that Prue and Phoebe might have, I don't know, been murdering each other if she was away any longer.
1: But see, I wonder if she didn't get a sense when, like if she didn't just feel it in her gut when Prue died.
0: I could see that, yeah. But they're like, nothing happened while you were away. Thanks for the lays, Piper. You were definitely in Hawaii. And then the episode <laughs> the ends. The end. <laughs> so I don't know. It's not one of the worst episodes Charmed ever did. But like, eh.
1: It's fine. It's It's fine.
0: You know what this feels like?
1: What does this feel like?
0: This feels like Holly Marie Combs needed to get surgery, so they kind of just slammed something out.
1: I mean, you know what? It makes sense that Brad Kern wrote it, now that I think about it. Because, yeah, they just had to slam out an episode with only two of the sisters.
0: And it's fine. It's fine. There's worse episodes. Yeah. I just, I don't think I rewatched this one a lot back when I had the DVDs.
1: Well, you know, it did feel a lot less like a Charmed episode. Because, as I was saying, it felt more like a cop show than Charmed.
0: Yeah. And, like, the villain was good. I honestly kind of would have liked to see more of the Soul Taker lady. I don't think she shows up again, but it'd be fun if she did.
1: Although I do wish the show had either focused on the Soul Taker as a scary villain or incompetent ghost guy as a comedic villain.
0: Well, there's this great bit, in it, which I think we might have talked about, but probably not enough, where, you know, she's like, I need you to focus on getting the witches. You need to get to the witches... And kill them so I can take their souls. And he's like, but first, I'm going to take my time with this judge. I'm going to stab him over and over and over again. And he's just doing it off screen while she's rolling her eyes.
1: Yeah, she looks to the camera like Jim in the office. Yeah, it's
0: great. I don't know if that was an intentional thing or not, but she definitely does Jim face. And I'm like, that's, that's, I mean, that was the thing I liked about The Witcher, which I only got like three episodes into. But The Witcher is super fun when it's just henry cavill doing jim from the office face into the camera while demons are murdering people
1: okay you know what i i said this show should either be focusing on her as a scary villain or him as an incompetent villain no spinoff web series about (laughs) the two of them
0: he's a ghost she takes souls together they live in an apartment in chicago
1: (laughs) exactly all right i think i think we should move on to our segments because that's just yeah
0: Oh right, so premonitions—we've got a, a couple this episode.
1: Well, no, I think we just have the one big one.
0: We have the one. Well, no, oh, no, we have two. The internal affairs guy you might recognize from every procedural show ever. Oh, you're sure he didn't have a reoccurring role in uh, Castle or Bones or something?
1: He was in episode. No, he was in
0: multiple episodes of. Yeah. Of uh. Castle. Castle. Yeah, he he's like a mm, higher up but not super higher up cop in Castle.
1: Carlos Gomez.
0: Carlos Yeah, Carlos Gomez.
1: Yeah, you're you're right. He's been in as you said every procedural ever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um
1: and the but the Oh, and also I wanted to bring up Brenda Baki, who is the soul collector, not because she's been in anything, but because she is a Portlander. Oh, awesome. Yes.
0: You go, Brenda Baki.
1: I mean, she's been other things, but nothing.
0: Yeah, nothing of note.
1: No. The most notable, though, is uh, Jeff Kober, who played Jackson Ward, who is... uh,
0: Notable for... Speaking of Buffy...
1: Yep, yep. He's Rack on Buffy.
0: Not only is he Rack on Buffy, he's also Kralik from Buffy.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah.
0: Kralik, the... uh, the vampire she has to face during her cruciatum is that what that was Uh the the cruciatum which i do like he because he does such a good job in that episode and they're like well we had him in vampire makeup the whole time we can just bring him back as a different character later
1: they did that a bunch on buffy
0: oh yeah buffy loved to double dip but like i i just i really like that they were like you know what kralik was really cool we're gonna give him a few episodes as a creepy magic dealer even though god i hate the magic is a drug thing from later buffy it's you can't pivot on a metaphor like that you can't have magic is lesbianism for two seasons and then suddenly have it be drugs in season six
1: well especially it's so offensive for it to be lesbianism and then become drugs
0: yeah and it's like tara's a responsible lesbian so she can keep doing magic it's the sort of thing that if they had done it better, I guess I could have. Because Willow, uh, honestly, it does sort of track for Willow's personality.
1: Yeah, for her to have kind of an addictive personality. And yeah. that's kind of how she treats romance, too. Yeah. So, okay. But I I mostly just like in The Magicians when they called out that metaphor. When... Uh, When the character tells Julia, yeah, the reason that you're treating magic like a drug is because you're dealing with people who act like drug dealers. Magic is not a drug. (laughs) I'm
0: glad I gave The Magicians another chance. I really didn't like it the first time I watched it. And if I'm going to be honest, the first Magicians book is one of my favorite books.
1: Oh, see, I didn't give The Magicians a chance because I didn't really care for the books i like i mean obviously i like the first one enough that i read the second two but i think the second two kind of tainted my feeling about the first book
0: which i can definitely see the i feel like the first one's the strongest and i feel like its strong point is also what tends to turn people including i'm assuming you off of it
1: no no the thing that i think you're gonna say is what i really liked about it the fact that magic is difficult
0: that wasn't what I was going to say. Oh,
1: is it that Quentin is annoying? Because that is what turned me off.
0: Yes. I think that what works for it is that its protagonist is not a good person and not... The yeah. thing is, he's not the protagonist of the story. The protagonist of the story is Alice. He's the guy who thinks he's the protagonist of the story. And it isn't until the big scene with Alice and the Beast where he's like, Oh. 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 Also, treating my life like it's a story and I'm the main character has made me a massive douchebag.
1: I mean, the TV show does the same thing.
0: Except Quentin's not as bad in that because he's kind of not the main character of the TV show.
1: Yeah, well, it's hard to do that in a TV show. Like, I'm thinking about True Blood, where Sookie is the main character in True Blood, in in the Sookie Stackhouse Mysteries. But you can't have a show go on that long without relying on other members of the ensemble so she really becomes not the main character or at least other characters become more interesting the same thing happens in the magicians so quentin gets decentered in a way he never does in the books which don't have to do that
0: which also makes him more sympathetic because again the less time you spend with quentin the more tolerable he is and you spend the entire book series inside of his head
1: yeah not a fun place
0: yeah but honestly that's what i like about it is that i mean it's i hate i hate this because it's almost always a negative thing it is a deconstruction of the sort of magical story i
1: love deconstructions
0: i love deconstructions when they're done well but it feels like it gets used so often to excuse bad cliche storytelling oh it's a deconstruction
1: well what's interesting is i think that the magicians is the tv show is meta in a way that the books only aspire to be in the way that it reflects on different tropes in magical stories
0: but what you said about i mean what you said earlier when the thing that you thought that I thought you wouldn't like about it—that magic
1: is hard—which
0: is another thing I like about it. It's sort of grounded in realism, where they're like, if magic existed, it would be very, very complicated. Like only a few people could do it, not because they were special, but because they were smart and focused, and the certain kind of unhappy that this certain that appeals to, you know, this sort of obsessive behavior it's really not fun like the fact the fact that they drill in that magic is not a fun thing it is difficult it is unpleasant and like you end up becoming this hedonistic monster just so you don't get crushed under you know everything Despair. that goes into it yeah. yeah it's i mean the fact that the T- the tv show made it a grad program because that's the thing that honestly works with that metaphor I do like that they the TV show kind of had to make magic easier. yeah it wouldn't
1: have been I, I love that about the books, but it would not have been interesting to watch on on screen. Yeah,
0: I feel like they made a lot of good choices in translating the magicians.
1: I also like that Julia's assault is
0: actually given weight in the TV
1: show. Yeah, it, it feels like in the books it just happens in the TV show it it's addressed in a way that. I feel like, gives it the complexity that they should. And and like you said, the weight that they should. Yeah. It does make it harder to watch, though, because there's...
0: Yes. I... I feel like there are things that the books, mostly the first one, do better than the TV show. But I also feel like those are things that would not translate well I mean, to a live-action medium. The
1: part of the book that I like more than the TV show, is all the stuff that happens in Breakbills South. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think they could have done that in a show. Which is a shame, because that, that is... The part of the show that I miss the most is all of the time spent in Breakbills South.
0: And my favorite part of the book is Alice's Fight with the Beast, which the TV show did an okay job doing, but the thing is, you would need just such a massive budget to pull it off.
1: Well, and they had to change so much, because and the timeline is condensed. Like they're... Yeah.
0: The, the thing that makes it work is how built up to it is mm-hmm. and it's it's just such this great moment for alice and it's so well seated and it's where she come like she comes into her own and it's such a well done moment that it really justifies a lot of the crappy stuff the book does early on especially in regards to alice yeah and The show hadn't built up to it in the same way because it had to juggle so many more stories.
1: Well, but also in the books, there's four years between when they first see the Beast and when they have the battle. In the TV show, there's six months. Yeah. What's interesting is they have the repeated timelines. They have the time loops in The Magician's. And we know that in one time loop, Margot is named Janet, as she is in the book. Yeah. And we know that in one time loop, they had more time before they had to fight the Beast. So I like to think the books are just a different time loop.
0: Mm. I mean, they wouldn't be. Because, because they didn't die? Yeah, because it's the one time. Well, spoilers for the magicians, but...
1: I feel like it's old enough. Yeah. Which, it,
0: it's 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 well worth watching. I'm sorry, we should probably get back to wrapping this up.
1: Yeah, let's do our segments.
0: Well oh we just did our
1: premonition let's do our next segment what's our next segment
0: our next segment is time freeze what specifically dated this i'm not doing the answering machine if only because we go to that well kind of a lot i mean the show does but you know it is the 90s uh i've got mine
1: is yours the japanese businessman
0: mine was going to be the japanese businessman yes because that's really a weirdly era specific thing you see it in a lot of tv shows a lot of media from around that era in fact in the episode of the simpsons where uh germans by the power plant uh it was originally going to be japanese people and then Matt Groening's like guys maybe don't do this good for him well mac running's like he didn't want apu to be indian he specifically had notes about apu not being indian and then they were like let's do it anyway
1: i mean yeah uh, for, uh, actually for me it's it, it's not the answering machine it's the chokers that phoebe and piper are wearing in the first scene they are so of that moment
0: yes also to a lesser degree because i don't know maybe it's a metaphor or something but piper being on the tarmac when she misses her plane i don't think they let you just run around the tarmac i, I mean, mean
1: i don't they did that in the 90s either but i see where you're coming from well you could like
0: go on the tarmac to get on the plane they didn't always have those like little feeder things whatever they call them
1: the walkways the tunnels i'm pretty sure they did always have the tunnels unless it was like a a tiny commuter plane which they still do have those. they you still do go out on the tarmac if it's a tiny commuter plane
0: oh then i don't know
1: yeah no i think that was just
0: artistic
1: uh artistic license
0: yeah i'm part of Phoebe's premonitions. Yes. So, I, I think that'll about do it for premonitions. Telekinesis. Did... Let's
1: do reverse telekinesis. What's the thing that was supposed to move you that didn't?
0: Andy speech. andy's speech gave me like the reverse feels. <laughs> I was like, I re- I wish that ta- I wish Prue had a time travel power so she could go back in time and not date you, Andy.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say. And and this is my feeling. I wish she should go. I wish she could go back in time and break up with you again. (laughs) Yeah. So I think we're on the same page. That was mine too. Yeah.
0: Although also the scene with Prue and Phoebe where they're like trying to figure out what they're mad about. And it's like, oh, this is, this was not well established. Although I do have a small genuine telekinesis moment, which is where Phoebe tells Prue, I think we're going too far. Yes. It's a really little thing, but how scared she is in that moment felt like genuine to me.
1: I mean, it didn't move me, but yeah, that is the thing in the script that came closest.
0: Yeah. All right, so what are we looking at next week?
1: Okay, so next time we have Love Hurts. Oh, God. White Lighter Leo returns to help rescue Daisy, a young woman on her way to becoming a White Lighter herself.
0: That's pretty pretty self-serving of the White Lighters, but okay.
1: Leo's back, though.
0: Leo is back, and they're they're hyphenating White Lighter. It's not <laughs> hyphenated, it's is it? Netflix.
1: That's... I wouldn't worry. I, I wouldn't worry about Netflix's descriptions. They don't.
0: Yeah, because I'm like, I don't think it's supposed to be hyphenated, but but Leo's back. Yay! I like Leo. Leo's fine.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us for this week.
0: Is this the start of witches having this weird recursive thing? Is this the start of White Lighters having this weird recursive thing where? White lighters protect witches who protect future white lighters so that they can protect witches who protect white lighters.
1: I don't remember. Perhaps. But that's going to do it for us for this week. All right. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin.
0: If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show.
1: If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television.
0: We can also be contacted at Zines on Twitter, or at I Love TelevisionZines at gmail.com.
1: So until next time, I'm Tina.
0: And I'm Max. And this has
1: been Welcome to the Hallowell Manor.